But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, uh, contentiousness, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, uh, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, rivalries, and the like, of which I tell you before, beforehand, just as I also uh, told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with the passions, with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Good morning. It is good to see each of you. If you're visiting with us, thank you so much for being with us. It is wonderful to be able to pause and to think about a harvest. If any of you have ever had gardens or you've been around agriculture, you know that harvest is an important time of the year and it's an exciting time of the year. And to be able to pause and to give God the thanksgiving for all that he has given us this year is truly something that we ought to do. We are thankful for the Howard family, and we welcome them. We're thankful for a wonderful weekend in prayer for each one of you that came to lead those prayers, for each one of you that submitted things to be prayed about, and each one of you that came and prayed together. And we look forward to seeing the things that God answered to the petition of our prayers. Keep in mind, if only 333 of us pray today, that will be a thousand prayers offered every day. If 666 do that, that'll be... 2,000 prayers offered every day, and we start multiplying that times 10 things that's on each prayer card, and it becomes amazing the many things that we'll take before God in prayer over the next 50 days. Be sure and pick up a card that is in the foyer this morning. They're on each ends of the foyer. There are cards in seven different pastel colors. If you'll pick up a card each week over the next seven weeks that's of a different color, you always have a different 10 items on the cards. If you want to interchange your cards more often than once a week, if you want to change them every Sunday and Wednesday night, that's fine, and odds are you still will not get the same card because there are so many different cards. If you would like, when you turn them back in, sign the back of them. So just for a note of encouragement and inspiration to someone else when they receive that card, I remember last year toward the end of the 50 days, it was neat to look back and to see other people that had prayed that same prayer uh, for a week uh, previously. So do that just for interest's sake and encouragement's sake. Also, there are brochures in the foyer that look like this, 50 days of prayer, and there are 50 passages of scriptures inside here. Many and most of these passages are prayers that have been prayed. You know, Jesus' disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. A tremendous way to learn how to pray is to listen to how godly people in the past have prayed. Some of these prayers can be a great example for us and how we ought to pray today also. Also, keep in mind that 
if you begin tomorrow listing 10 things and, and do so on a piece of paper, this is an exercise that will be so good for each one of us. Begin tomorrow listing 10 things for which you're thankful for. Now, it's wonderful to think of ourselves as a congregation of people, but that isn't a congregational exercise. Do you think of 10 things in your life for which you're grateful for? And list those. Tuesday, do it again. Wednesday, do it again. Never listing the same things twice. The Wednesday before Thanksgiving Day, you will have compiled a list of 100 things. Each day, you've been praying in Thanksgiving for those 10 things. How awesome it will be when you sit down at Thanksgiving and nobody is allowed to take a bite until they read their list of 100 things. I promise you, it will be a Thanksgiving that you will remember for a long, long time. If you're not in a family situation that you can do that, still, take advantage of the opportunity to count your many blessings and name them one by one. Friends, one of the things that harms us as much as anything is ingratitude. When we become arrogant, conceited people and believe that we do not need God, and it's exercises like this and it's prayer on a regular basis that keeps us in tune with who He is and whom we are. Have you ever gone through the grocery store and been very careful about the fruit that you select out of the produce department? You know, now some of you probably, it doesn't take you but just a second to pick out a head of lettuce or maybe an apple or an orange. But maybe you've gone through the grocery store and you've seen individuals that if it's a watermelon, they thump every watermelon or they smell where the vine used to be. Or maybe they handle this head of lettuce and then this head of lettuce. And I've seen people in the grocery store as if their hands were a balance. They're, they're handling two heads of lettuce. Well, you know, when we're just picking between good and better, that's something to think about. But what if we're picking between rotten and good? Who in their right mind would go through the produce department and there would be a beautiful ripe apple and there's another apple that's diseased? As the apple that is on the screen there, you see that that has a cedar apple rust disease. And that's a disease where an apple tree diseases a cedar tree, and a few months later the cedar tree gets back and it diseases the apple tree. And they go through this, and one of the ways to cure it is just kill all the cedar trees around the apple trees. And so when we think about this, this disease, who in their right mind would say, wow, I, I don't want that beautiful fruit. Give me that diseased fruit. Give me that rotten fruit. Friends, please listen to something loud and clear this morning from the text that we just had so capably read from it for us. We choose our fruit. If I'm living a life of the flesh, I've chosen that fruit. And guess what? There's always a day of harvest. Now, sometimes we can sin, and at the end of the day, we can evaluate our life and say, you know, I just did exactly what I wanted to do. It was against God's will, and I've not reaped any negative consequences. Isn't that great? I can go out and sin again. And we go out and we sin some more and some more and some more, but there always will be that day of harvest. Always. And so it is, Paul is writing in this beautiful letter of Galatians, and he's pleading with the people to stop and consider what kind of fruit are they producing in their life? Now note this. If we're going to consider fruit, we have to go back to the tree. You know, I guess there would be a lot of kids that think that milk comes from Kroger's, 
apples come from Kroger's, bread comes from Kroger's, and there might be some kids that really don't know that milk comes from a cow, and that apples really do grow on a tree, and that bread is really needed, and it's baked in an oven somewhere. Well, you know, we as adults would do ourselves a favor this morning to go back to that kind of common sense and realize that when we see good fruits in the lives of individuals, it's because of the tree that has produced that fruit. And when we see bad fruits in the lives of individuals, it's because of the tree that has produced that fruit. And so Paul is making a plea to say, not only choose your fruit, but when you choose the kind of fruit that you want to produce in your life, you're going to have to go back and see what kind of person produces that kind of fruit. And so it is. We see, as we go, look with me, and I hope you have your Bible open because we don't have these passages typed out here of 16, 18, and 25. But notice the, the fruit that produces, or the life that produces this kind of fruit. Notice how he talks about, in verse 16, I say then, walk in the Spirit. Now let's skip down to verse 18, and he says, But if ye are led by the Spirit... Now let's skip down to 25, and he says, If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Now notice how in this passage, he talked about a walk that is a walk in the Spirit. He talked about our lives being led in the Spirit. He talked about our life being in the Spirit. Now let's think about these descriptions of a life that's going to produce the fruit of the Spirit. First he says here, it's a walk. I say then, walk in the Spirit. The idea of walk is from leaving one place and going to another. Now it's clear as we read the very next verse, he says that the Spirit and the flesh are contrary to one another. In other words, I cannot stay in the flesh and live a life in the Spirit. We call this repentance in the Scriptures, but what the Lord is demanding here when he says walk in the Spirit, he's saying, you're in the flesh, you have to leave the flesh. Walk. You're leaving and you're going toward God. Now, this walk needs some kind of direction. It's not self-direction. We are to be led by the Spirit, not led by our own wishes. As a matter of fact, when we join these two together in this text this morning, you see there the walk is in verse 16 and the lead is in verse 18. Notice how verse 17 closes. This is the transition that brought us to this point. Notice he says, he's talked about that the Spirit is against the flesh in the middle of verse 17, and these are contrary to one another. Listen to this close of 17. So that you do not do the things that you wish. Life in the flesh is when we say, I do things the way I want to do them. Why do you act like that? Because that's the way I am. Oh, that's the way you want to be. I do things the way I wish. Why do individuals indulge themselves in fleshly sins? Because it is what they wish to do. Why do they react to certain things in the way they do? It's the way they wish to do and to be. And so the Lord is saying, you need to walk. You need to leave that flesh. And instead of doing things the way you wish, do things the way the Spirit wishes, the way God leads. Be led by the Spirit of God. And note, it's a life in the Spirit. It doesn't talk about an occasion of the Spirit or a work in the Spirit. It's a life. It's living a life 
in the Spirit. In other words, this is to become all that guides us day in and day out. You see, the idea of us thinking about our lives and producing fruit is not something that is new to the Pauline epistles. Drop back with me, if you will, to John, the 15th chapter, and, and let's think about some more fruit here. And, and just to kind of set the stage, to bring it together, to see what Jesus said. Look in, in John, the 15th chapter, and let's look at five verses here. And if you know this passage well, you know that it goes a little deeper than this. But for time's sake this morning, we'll only look at the first five verses. Now, I want you to keep in mind that this coincides to some degree to a passage we dropped back and looked at last week when we were talking about if we love one another, we serve one another. And you remember when Jesus went and he washed their feet? This is on the same occasion of Jesus washing the feet of the apostles. That night he was also going to give them great instruction about what they ought to be in their life and in their relationship with God. Please note this. What Christ is trying to get them to see is that it's about a life long relationship with God. God's not asking us to create this list of do's and this list of don'ts and, and leave a relationship out of it. He wants us to see that we're dependent wholly upon God. Here we go, the 15th chapter, verse 1. He says, I'm the true vine, Jesus identified there, and my Father is the vine dresser, the one that takes care of the vineyard. Verse 2, we learn about who we ought to be. Every branch, so we have a vine, and now we have us as branches. In me, that's in Christ the vine, that does not bear fruit. Now that's bad. Does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Now, that's a powerful point. What cleanses us so that we can produce fruit, the word of God. Look in verse 4. Abide in me. You see, here Jesus is teaching about the fruit, and he's saying, live your life in me. Paul's writing in Galatians, the fifth chapter, and he's trying to communicate the same thing, except this time the phrase is, live a life that's led in the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, a life of the Spirit. And so notice as he says in 4, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. So here Jesus makes it very clear how important it is for us to stay in that relationship that's close to God. In other words, the branch needs to be connected with the vine. And then there must be a time of decision. Are we going to bear fruit? In other words, are we going to nurture and grow this relationship with Christ? We see here two ways the vine dresser works. Those branches that do not bear fruit, he cuts them away. And if you can imagine just some kind of brush pile over here, he's been going through the vineyard and he's looking at every branch that doesn't bear fruit and he's snipping it away and servants are dragging it over here to the brush. And the scripture, if you read on a few more verses, says he burns those branches that do not bear fruit. Isn't it of a striking interest that this night we saw one that was cut away and we also saw another that was pruned on this very night? Judas was one of the ones that was cut away. He decided to live his life separate and apart from God. And as far as we know, he never came back 
to the vine dresser. He never allowed his life to abide in Christ again. But on the other hand, Peter, one that was going through a difficult time, God pruned him. God allowed him to go through that difficult time. And God knew his heart and knew his willingness to return. And so in John, the 21st chapter, Jesus goes to him and asks him three times, do you love me? No doubt, because three times he had denied Jesus. You see, that very night, we see how the Lord worked with those that needed to be pruned, and we see how the Lord worked with those that were cut away. But the point is, every one of us has to decide, where are we going to be? Are we going to be a branch that's attached to the vine, that we're living through Christ, and that our life is producing fruit? Are we going to be a branch that we may appear to be attached to Christ? but there's no fruit. And on the day of judgment, the Lord will cut that branch away to everlasting burning. Let's go back to our text in Galatians, the fifth chapter. What is the fruit that Christians produce? Galatians, the fifth chapter, verse 22 through 23. Notice the fruit, and I would like for you to notice in the text There's no S on the end of fruit. These individually are not the fruit of the Spirit. These collectively are singularly the fruit of the Spirit. So if my idea of Christianity is, I tell you what, here's a great list of things. I want to pull out three or four of those, and I want to practice those in my life. And the Lord says, "Uh uh-uh. If you're going to practice godliness a life that is attached to the vine. Here's the fruit that you produce, and this is the challenge of them. You bring all of these up beside you in your life, and you move forward practicing all of these things, producing all of these things in your life. And it's love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. This morning I was reading an article about some road rage. Now how how do you implement producing fruit? Have you thought about that? You don't just wake up one morning and say, oh, I see love just bubbling out of my life. You haven't even gotten out of bed. How do you do that? Well, I tell you what, I'm just a factory of joy. How do you produce fruit of the Spirit? Look with me as we go to this next slide, and I want you to think about the whole passage that's written here. And we're going to come back perhaps to that little thought of the article on road rage. I love studying through entire books as we're doing this quarter. You seem to see things that maybe you don't see if you just turn to a passage and say, let me read about the fruit of the Spirit, or let me read about the works of the flesh. Did you notice in the paragraph that we start in verse 16, he says, I say then walk in the Spirit? You know, if somebody says to you, well, I say then, you know, I kind of get the feeling I've walked in on the middle of a conversation. What did I miss out in the beginning? In other words, if something has just been said that is now causing you to say then this, I want to know what's the other that's been said. Well, the other that's been said, let's read at the end of 13. The end of 13, he says, but through love serve one another. And this ties right in to where we closed out last week's sermon or really the whole theme of last week's sermon Sunday morning. 
For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now here's the warning. If you bite and devour one another, beware, lest you be consumed by one another. What's Paul done? Now Paul has made this transition, and we could really have some great discussion on why did he make this transition, but let's just leave it where it is for right now. Look at this great transition he's made. He's saying, look, we're to serve one another, and we're to do it through the motive of love. Now let me warn you, when you leave love out, you start backbiting at each other. You start gossiping at each other. You start eating, consuming one another. Now, because I've said that, you need to know this. Walk your life. In the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit. Watch out for this old ways of the flesh. They just don't work very good in your dealings with others. But what works great in your dealings with others, if you'll be led by the Spirit, your life will produce the fruit of the Spirit, and that makes life wonderful one with another when everybody lives a life that's producing fruit of the Spirit. Now, you know, if you're going to have a sandwich, if you're going to have a fruit sandwich, I hated bananas. I still hate bananas. Everybody in my family loves bananas that I grew up in. And on Sunday night, we'd have soup and sandwich night at the house, and homemade tomato soup was mine. But my family would get out the bananas, and they would chop them up into a little platter, and they'd scoop out the peanut butter and put on there, and they'd mash it all together and eat a peanut butter and banana sandwich. That was gross. Okay, but if you're going to have a sandwich, if you're going to have a fruit sandwich, you need two layers of bread, right? So the Lord is saying here, He's saying, hey, I want you to have a fruit sandwich. I want you to have the fruit of the Spirit sandwich. The first slice of bread is you need to love and serve one another. What's the other slice of bread? It's no surprise. It looks just like the top slice. Look at verse 26. Now, I know there's some implication here, but you'll see what I mean. Verse 26, he closes out this paragraph by saying, Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. He's saying, look at your relationship with one another. Serve one another. Look at your relationship with one another. Don't be conceited and think you're better than everybody else and treat them that way. Don't provoke others to do wrong. On the other hand, don't become jealous and envious of one another. Both slices of bread, he has said, look how you treat one another. And what's the meat in that sandwich? Just live out the fruit of the Spirit. Brethren, that solves everything. If we'll just live out the fruit of the Spirit. So how do we do this? Remember the road rage? What if next time we're in road rage, we say, you know... I remember before I started this walk in the Spirit and I started being led by the Spirit and I started living this life in the Spirit, I remember what I used to would have done. Back in the flesh, I would have reacted to this rage in a whole different way when that fellow just cut me off. But you know, now, I'm going to practice love, agape. That's unconditional. That means you can cut me off on the interstate and I'll love you. And you know what? You're not going to take away my happiness if you cut me off in the interstate. I've got peace that passes understanding. I've got something a lot more important than just another minute down the road. And I've got joy. You're not going to steal my joy. I've got the Lord. And I tell you what, I'll even try to put a little joy back into your life because I'm not going to retaliate. Friends, we can work right down this list. Long-suffering? How well does that apply to how we treat others, even on the road? or even on the pew next to us, or even as we're interacting in our families or with our neighbors. Goodness, faithfulness, 
gentleness, self-control. All these are ways that have a powerful impact upon every relationship that we have if we decide to do that. This morning, there are a lot of folks here that are no doubt religious. Or you wouldn't be here. But in just a few minutes, we're going to sing a song of invitation. But please listen to this carefully as we close this. The Lord has never looked for individuals that just looked like a Christian. The Lord has always looked for those individuals that walked with Him. They were led by Him, every decision. What movie should I see? Let me see what God would want me to do. What entertainment should I be involved in? Let me see what God would want me to do. How should I react to that neighbor that has just wronged me? Let me see what God would have me to do. What should I do in this situation at work where it's difficult and there's a lot of pressure to do things that's wrong? Let me see what God would have me to do. The Lord is looking for individuals that's real in that life so that they can not only live that real life, but then they begin to produce that. And it has not only a positive effect on their life, but it has a positive effect upon the lives of people they come in contact with. Think how much better families are when families are recipients of other families through the Spirit. Think how much better a church family is when everyone is just sharing fruits of the Spirit with each other. Think how much better a community is whenever we are sincerely sharing genuine fruit. Are you one of those that keeps a little bowl of fake fruit in the middle of the dining room table? There's nothing wrong with that. But you know there are some that do that. It can be pretty. What if you tried to convince someone that it was real? I mean, really, what if you tried to pass it off as if it was real? And they hold it? It's not real. Oh, no, no, really? Look how nice that is. It's not too right, not too green. No, no, it's not real. Oh, yes, it'll have delicious fruit on the inside. No, no, it's not real. Friends, we can fool people on earth and we can fool ourselves, but think how foolish it is. It's not real. And there's coming a day on the day of judgment where more than anything... More than anything, we will have wanted to be a real Christian and produce a real life of the real fruit of the Spirit. And you think how embarrassing it's going to be whenever it's revealed that we were just faking it. Well, Lord, I've got to confess to you, I love some of this stuff in the flesh. And yeah, I liked religion because some of my friends went there. That's the way I grew up, and it just eased my conscience. And so, yes, Lord, I went to church some, and I did these things some. But are you real? 
this morning. Let's think not only for our own soul, but for the powerful impact we make upon so many lives every day. The fruit, long term, it never lies. If I'm having a problem with continual gossiping, with continual backbiting, this goes back to the first part of the text, consuming one another, probably not just a problem with the tongue. It's probably what kind of tree am I? I haven't left the flesh yet. The plea the Lord is making to these folks of Galatia is love one another, serve one another, don't be conceited, don't be high-minded, don't envy and be jealous of one another. Well, Lord, what's the answer? Change you. Change you. Be committed wholly to God and let that fruit come forth. If you've never become a child of God this morning, as we think about a harvest Sunday, counting our blessings, what better way to see someone baptized into Christ for their mission of sins? Or if you have been baptized and yet you've fallen away from God, won't you come back to Him this morning? There's no one here perfect, but we can all be forgiven. If we can help you in any way, come as we stand, as we sing.